Welcome to Canthropod, the Cambridge Anthropology podcast. This is episode six, Sounds of Protest by Sean Lazar. These are the sounds of street protests in the UK, Bolivia and Argentina. My name is Sean Lazar and one of the common threads in my research on collective politics in these three countries has been the importance of street mobilisations over the years and the variation in modes of protest in different places. Demonstrations everywhere are intensely sensual and physical experiences. They have distinct characteristics and different ways of relating to space, sound and sight. In Argentina, the dominant central experience of street protests for me has always been that of sound. And two sounds stand out in particular. The drums, known as bombos, and the pots and pans, or cacerolas. Street protests are a key part of democratic politics across Latin America. Whether they play a role in provoking the collapse of discredited regimes or just as part of a routinized cycle of demand-making and dialogue between citizens and state. The turn to the left, or pink tide, that swept the region in the early 2000s was especially associated with an articulation between street politics and the ballot box, as broadly left-wing governments were brought to power in several countries, including Argentina. Recently, a similar articulation between the street and more conventional institutional politics has resulted in those regimes becoming at the very least extremely shaky, or even losing elections, as happened very recently in Argentina, when the right-wing candidate Mauricio Macri defeated the favoured candidate of the previous regime to become president in December 2015. Just as the pink tide had its own politics of the street, so too does the current turn back to neoliberalism. And one way to think about this is by listening to the sounds of protest. I should say that there are many ways of protesting in Argentina, and they all have associated sounds of protest. Here I want to discuss two important ones. But don't just listen with your ears. Try to listen with your whole body. Imagine the volume turned up to the point where the sound enters your body, vibrating in your sternum, dulling your hearing, filling your head so that you can think of nothing else. Imagine it echoing off eight-storey buildings along a main city street, which channel the sound down towards the square at the end where your group will congregate. Or imagine it in a two-storey tall, marble-lined entrance hall to a ministry building, moving towards a narrow corridor, still lined with marble, that funnels the sound and concentrates it even more densely in the bodies of those present. Some escape from the corridor into the room where we're headed, because it feels necessary in order to preserve their hearing, 
it's exhilarating. It draws you into the group. It patterns your movement as you step in time to the beat. It makes you feel alive and as if anything were possible. What a way to assert your presence and your power as an organised political force, both towards your own members and in the face of whoever it is you want to influence. These are the bombos. The use of drums is especially associated with organised demonstrations, particularly those organised by trade unions. It's mainly young men who participate in their organisation's band. That band heads up their group in street marches or plays members into or out from the location of important meetings. The bombo is a large bass drum that has been used in Argentine folkloric music since the arrival of the Spaniards. It has been a feature of protest demonstrations since at least the late 1960s, and possibly before. Drumming bands do not only come out for large street demonstrations, though. They may be present at small gatherings, such as a short strike called by one union at the Buenos Aires City Audit Office. And a drumming session, which is known as a batucada, is considered to be a legitimate strategy within a workplace conflict. The idea is that the band positions itself at the door to the building or some place where it can best be heard, and drums for maybe one hour, or if escalation is necessary for two or three, and so on. So drumming can be used in demonstrations in both the street and the workplace, and it is associated with a particular kind of pressure politics. It's symbolic of, of combative union activity, as opposed to a more conciliatory approach of negotiation. In particular, the drums are connected to organised collective political and social forces, by which I'm referring to associations of residents of particular neighbourhoods, cooperatives, cultural groups and youth organisations, as well as trade unions. And these kinds of groups were one of the key constituencies for the pink-tied Kirchner regimes of 2003 to 2015. Indeed, I think it is possible to say that the pink tide was in large part driven by the rise of these kinds of organised social forces and the responsiveness of different governments to those collectives. The supplies across the region, but particularly in Argentina. The response or counterpart to that political movement has its own politics of the street and its own soundscape. This is a pots and pans demonstration, a casarolazo. People are banging empty cooking pots with spoons and other cooking implements. This recording is from the Pots and Pans demo of November 2012. You can hear the pans, maybe also some bits of the conversations of large crowds of people, but it's not organized into a rhythmic beat in quite the same way as the bombos. This is the sound of lots of people milling about. In mid-September 2012, Hundreds of women and men responded to calls on social media for a Casa Rolasso. They gathered at the junctions of middle-class neighbourhoods, carrying empty pots and pans that they banged with cooking implements. Soon after, posters and graffiti began appearing around the city calling for a massive Casa Rolasso on 8th of November. Websites and Facebook groups appeared, and the hashtag Ocho Enne began to circulate on Twitter accounts and individual Facebook pages. As the date drew nearer, discussions of the upcoming protest moved into the mainstream media. On the evening of November 8th, much of the Central City Avenue was eerily quiet as the police had closed it to traffic and people had gone home before the planned starting time. Small groups of protesters made their way to the obelisk at the northern end of the avenue. By 8pm there was a huge crowd of people there, 
the majority carrying national flags and empty pots and implements. Very few held posters and there were no political banners. As I reached the obelisk, I could barely move for the crowds of people there and in the nearby streets. I threaded slowly through the crush, taking pictures and recording some of the sound, whistles, klaxons and the banging of pots. Also, at one point, the Argentine national anthem. When I went home, I switched on the TV to see that the news channels had devoted their whole evening's programming to the ongoing protests at the obelisk and in the city's wealthy suburbs and some other main city squares across the country. These demonstrations were part of a chain of anti-government mobilisations that in fact stretches back to anti-insecurity demos in the mid-2000s and forwards to some that took place after the death of the prosecutor Alberto Nisman in early 2015. They have a number of things in common, but importantly, they were all mass gatherings that are thought to have two key characteristics. First, spontaneity, so that the protests almost came out of nowhere and were the result of outrage against the government. And second, that they are perceived to be middle class. The pots and pans play a role in both those characteristics. Those demonstrations were represented by their promoters in the media as a spontaneous expression of outrage against the government, particularly against government corruption. This was made possible in part because through precisely the use of the pots and pans technique, they seemed like previous demonstrations, especially the ones that took place 11 years before during the crisis of December 2001. At that time, riots and protests of all kinds, including Casorolazos, led to eventually to the resignation of the president and the rapid succession of three interim presidents over the course of 10 days, until the country finally stabilised at the beginning of 2002. It was then a hugely traumatic event and continues to play a really important role in Argentinians' talk about democracy, government and the relationship to politics. Pots and pans demonstrations specifically are thought to be spontaneous because people bang pans in their houses and then take to the streets as they realise that they are not alone in their outrage. This seems to have happened in 2001. In fact, by 2012, the question of exactly how spontaneous these protests were was contested by many government supporters. Many of them thought that the opposition, especially in parts of the mainstream media, was in fact behind the casorolazos. Importantly, though, the casorolazos protest technique is also particularly associated with the middle and wealthy classes. Indeed, the technique is thought to have emerged during Salvador Allende's government in Chile in the early 1970s, as middle-class women banged pots and pans in their houses and on the streets in protest at food shortages. It's therefore quite closely connected to the Pinochet coup, and as such not necessarily a form of protest seen as democratic. These kinds of questions pro provoked contradictory readings about class and democracy, which proved crucial immediately after the event. This is because, in combination with the reading of visual clues, such as the clothing, colour of skin and hairstyle of the protesters, it meant that many pro-government interpreters read the 2012 protests as middle class. This is important because it set up a distinction between middle class protesters against the government and the government supporters, thought to be uh, members of the popular classes. And to successfully label a demonstration as middle class is to delegitimise it in the eyes of many. 
and that in turn enabled the Kirchner government to sidestep calls for change because, they argued, the popular classes supported them. All this contributed then to the increased political polarisation of the country, the effects of which became evident in the 2015 election results, which show an electorate split right down the middle. And that polarisation continues to be a key feature of Argentine political culture at the moment. Since he became president in December 2015, some of Mauricio Macri's policies have provoked a new wave of protest. One reading of the turn back to neoliberalism in Argentina is that the middle classes are reacting to the earlier left turn with their own kind of street politics. That reaction is classed and also in fact racialized in various complex ways. It's understood in moral terms of outrage, particularly against government corruption, but it also has its own soundscape. While it's not the case that every single middle-class protest in Argentina today is a pots and pans demo, we could argue that the two kinds of political soundscapes that I've been talking about stand in opposition to each other. It's almost as though the pots and pans are being mobilised against the drums, and the two forces each produce their own sounds of protest, presence and pressure. <laughs>